one? Or are you another one? You know, which are you? You're in each one. Okay, so each one has received something from God. Now it says, whatever you have received from God, don't look at someone else. Don't compare yourself with someone else. Well, I wish I could be a singer like more. I just wish, I wish, I wish. You know, no, no, don't do that. She's got her own set of problems. You just stick with what God called you to do. If you can't sing, you can't sing. Don't even think about it. You'll get a better voice in heaven, but right now, that's not what you're called to do. There'll be something better you're called to do. That when you do that, you're really good at it. I get the idea. Okay, so it says, everyone has received the gift. Now it says, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So now it tells us what to do. If God has entrusted you with something, a gifting, a supernatural endowment of some kind, now that word gift is charisma, a gifting of the spirit, a, a, a supernatural uh, attribute, something God empowered you to do, then it, it says, minister to other people. In other words, the word minister means to serve, like a person who is waiting on a table. You know what people do when they wait on a table? They wait on the table. You don't go, listen, I reckon you ought to have this. You know, you'll do this. It's not like that. But they don't go to the table and say, look how important I am. I'm your waiter. You don't do that. When you're in a restaurant, if someone does that, you're going to leave the restaurant. What you want is someone come up and say, how can I help you? And, and what, would you, what would you need? And they do what you... See, they're a servant at the table. So if you have a gifting of God, then you're to be a waiter on the table. You find people who have needs and then minister to them, help them. It's no big deal. It's called, can I help you? See, every believer is called to do that. So, So as God has given to every believer a gift, now be a waiter on the table serving other people. So in other words, develop a serving heart, a serving culture, a serving mentality. Because if you develop that, who knows how far you'll go. But if you don't develop that, it won't matter how gifted you are, you won't go far. You could be the most gifted waiter at the table, but if you've got an ego problem, they don't want to come there again. Get the, get the idea? Okay, so as each one has received the gift, so then minister to one another as a good steward of the grace of God. So whatever God has given you, whatever grace he's put in your life, a grace for music, a grace for teaching, a grace for uh, children, a gra- whatever the grace is, then it says you are a steward of it. A steward. That means whatever God gave you is an entrustment to you. An entrustment means something is delivered to you to serve a certain purpose. So, for example, if you are entrusted a vehicle, it isn't your vehicle. You are there to look after the vehicle. So I've just entrusted my Mercedes to my son-in-law. See? And he's gone. He's gone, I know. He's taken off with it already. See? So it's an entrustment. It's never, it's never his. It's his to use for a purpose. So what counts is not what you have, it's whether you're using it for the purpose it was designed for. So if God gives you a gifting, then you are to be a steward of the gifting. You are to steward what God has. And here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 4, 1, uh, 2, verse 2. It says it's required of a steward that they be found faithful. So don't look at what anyone else has got. Discover what you've got. And then steward what you've got, ministering and serving people with it. So you be found faithful. To be found faithful means someone comes and does a checkup. So 
at some point in our life, all of us give account to God. Now, if you're a believer, a Christian, you're not going to have account for all the dumb things you did in life. You're going to be given account for your stewardship. How productive were you with what opportunities and giftings and grace God gave you? What did you do with them? Did you let them become dormant? Did you just get hurt somewhere? I mean, hurt. That's it. Well, then you're responsible that you buried your talent and never used it. Remember in the, in the parable in Matthew 25, the master came and the different servants had been given different amounts. And what he was looking for was were they faithful? And faithfulness is defined as being productive with what God has given you. So if you have a house, are you productive in hospitality? Good. Oh, well, we haven't got a very good house. That's got nothing to do with it. It's good, Mike. We haven't got much money. That's got nothing to do with it either. It's just whether you make people welcome or not. Is your house a part of your extension of love for the community? Whatever you have, it doesn't really matter what you have or how little you have. I found sometimes the people who have the, the smallest amount are the most generous and welcoming with it. And sometimes people who have a, a middle amount are the most mean. And sometimes the ones who have a lot are really mean. Really mean. You know, people say, they say, you see the building, they say, man, you say some rich people. I say, no, there's no rich people. They're all poor people who gave a little bit. And we have to just steward it well. And that's how we got this. That's how God works. He works with ordinary people, with simple, most people are one talent people. So whatever you do, don't bury your talent. Don't bury your talent. Why? Remember the person who had the one talent, they buried it? This is what the master said to them. He said to the other ones, oh, you're a good and a faithful steward. That word good means that you have a positive influence and you're faithful, you're productive with what I've given you. Now I'm going to give you much, much more. Okay, so the other one who buried it, he said, oh, you're a hard man. man. I, I just, I'm, I've survived. I'm here. I'm still here. And he said, no, 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 no. It's not about whether you're here. What did you do with the opportunities, the giftings that were given you? Did you produce it? Oh, no, 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 no. I just kept it all to myself. And he said, well, you are a wicked and a slothful or lazy servant. But notice that what he says. The word wicked means you have a destructive or negative influence when it comes to the kingdom. Mm, wow. What it means is when a person withholds what God has given them from blessing others, they have a negative influence on people because they're called mean. <laughs> mean. No one's attracted to mean people selfish because you kept it to yourself the goal was to preserve yourself we've got to get out of that because whatever it is you've got you're going to leave it behind <laughs> i won't take you leave it behind i've been there and i've seen it being left behind i lined up to get some of it too you know <laughs> okay so how are we going to cultivate our giftings so we're to steward the giftings of god and and be productive. So what are we going to do to do it? So I want to focus specifically on just receiving an impartation and then what to do with what you get. And then we'll just pray for some people at the end of the meeting. So, so how can you develop what God has given you? God, so if we come to a meeting and someone lays hands on you and there's an impartation takes place, then what, what can you do with that afterwards apart from falling over? Oh, I fell over. There we go. That was it. Well, that was wonderful. I'm sure you felt really good. But afterwards, what came of it? You've got to have more than just, your, well, I fell over, and it was great. I felt God. Oh, it was wonderful. Now, that is great, but what happened beyond that? Where did it go after that? Oh, it didn't go anywhere. I, mean, I just 
had a row with my wife the next day, and that was it. It was all gone, you know. <laughs> okay, so oh, let me give you the keys now. They're quite, they're quite simple. Everything in the kingdom is very simple. So number one, number one, here's the first one. Identify what you've received. Put a name on it. Identify what God imparted or gave to you. That's the very first thing, is to be able to put a name on it. You think through the Bible, people who knew what they got. In Joshua, it tells, I'll give you the quote, the verse, in Joshua 34, verse 9. Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of wisdom, for Moses had laid hands on him to impart wisdom. So what did he have? And what did he know he had? What was the wisdom for? For leadership. Because it's hard dealing with people. You need a lot of wisdom. So what did he have? Wisdom. So the gift that was given to him was wisdom. It was given for a purpose of leading and making decisions regarding people. He knew what he had. Uh, Elisha, into uh, Kings chapter 2, Elisha picked up the mantle of Elijah. So what did he have? The mantle of Elijah. Did he know what he had? Yes, he did. Then he had to put it to work and give it a go. He didn't know whether it would work. He just gave it a go. And it worked. Quite surprising. Okay? Now think about Paul uh, and Timothy. In, uh, two, in 1 Timothy 4.15, uh, Paul talks about don't neglect the gift given you by the laying on of hands with prophecy. So that means when the prophecy came or prophetic word came, a gift was imparted. So he knew what he got because God told him. So otherwise, if you listen in the meeting, you'll hear what apostle's going to impart. So you want to have your ears tuned in and listen. So he says, what I'm going to do now is going to lay hands on people for miracles. Well, then receive your miracle. If he's laying hands on people for deliverance, then receive deliverance. Don't do a dopey thing like some people do. You know, there's a miracle meeting. Someone comes up to me and says, could you prophesy for me? thinking, what? God's going that way and you're going that way? What? Why are you not paying any attention to what is going on? This is not about you. It's about what God is wanting to do. So in a meeting, God will be doing things. You've got to just be tuned into what he's doing. And you'll get a key because there'll be worship and there'll be an activation. There'll be prayer for certain things. Now, when that prayer comes, you church, put your ears up. That's for me. If it's for me, run up. Just run up. Get up there quick. Because hunger is nothing like hunger. You know, get up there and grab it. So you first of all identify what was imparted. What is going to be imparted to me? What have I received? The second thing is place value on what you've received. Place value on it. Because implantation is a seed. You don't get the whole thing. You get a portion and you've got to do something about it. Now think about this. If God spoke to an apostle to come to this nation for this purpose, then it's not about him. It's about God. And God wanting to do something. So you can look past humanity. It doesn't really matter what the human is like. You know, whatever culture they come from, that's okay with me. You know, great. I, I mean, I, I really love the Hispanics. You know why I love the Hispanics? Because they don't sit there with their arms folded like Kiwis do. That's good, Mike. That's horrible. I don't know what's wrong, you know. I, I was watching uh, uh, Prophet Mel, uh, Apostle Malnada. His, his wife had a birthday. And get this. I put this on my Facebook. I thought it was so good. They got in a mariachi band. How many of you know what a mariachi band is? Big sombreros, you know, and the black outfit and the trumpets and the guitar, and they go for it. They really go for it. And I thought, oh, I just, I, I love a mariachi band. 
Well, that was just so good. What a heaven. A party with a mariachi band. That has got to be so good. Those of you who don't know mariachi, just go on YouTube and look it up and then dance to the music. Or go onto my, onto my Facebook and there it is there. And you'll see how exciting it is. It, it, it's just like, and that's not our culture, but you know, you can still dance to it. You can get excited about it. Amen. I looked up something else and, and, and I saw there were some people that did, a, you know, those flash dances, you know? They had Zorba the Greek, and they got there playing Zorba the Greek. Well, anyone heard Zorba the Greek? That goes back a few years, but it's hard not to want to dance when you hear that. You pick it up and do something. So it doesn't really matter what the culture is. Every culture's got their wonderful part to it. You just enjoy and celebrate it. So we're going to be part of a Hispanic culture, and it will be really alive. So get into it. Jump up and down and dance. Don't, don't just sit there with your arms folded. So notice what it says in 1 Timothy 4.15. It says, don't neglect the gift God has given you. Neglect means to be careless or to make light of it or to not take care or develop it. So in other words, when an impartation comes to you, don't just take it lightly. I'm receiving something from God. What is it and what must I do with it? Don't take it lightly. The Bible says don't neglect the gift of God, but rather it tells us to do two things. One, meditate on these things and then give yourself to them that you may profit and everyone can see that something has changed in your life. So it tells us to do two things, meditate. Meditate in that context means two things. It means to take care of something or to be interested and to treat as something of value. So when you receive an impartation, treat it as something of value. I've received something of the life of God into me. That's number. The second aspect means to imagine or to repeat it in your mind. Or in other words, it means picture the possibilities. Picture the possibilities of your future. Now, don't think, see, see, don't think because there's only a little that that's nothing. See, that's the problem. What we do is everything God does in the, in the kingdom is done by seed. That's why Jesus said the parable of the sower and the seed is the number one parable. If you get it, you'll get everything. We want it all big and now, and God says it comes as a seed, you cultivate and grow. So if God puts something in your life, it always turns up in seed form. Your responsibility is to steward it. That means cultivate, develop it until it flourishes. So number one, identify what you have, what you have received. Two, place a value on it and begin to picture how it might look in the future. Begin to get a vision of your life working that way. And you understand how the gift will set you in a certain direction. Okay, here's the third thing you can do. We need to practice exercising the gift at every opportunity. 1 Timothy 4.15 says, give yourself wholly to them, that your property may appear to all. Or literally it means to be it. So it doesn't say when God puts something in your life, say God puts a seed of prophecy in your life, well it may, it may not be very much, it may not have much you can say at the beginning, but literally put it into practice, start to live it out, start to, do, start to practice it at every opportunity. So any opportunity to pray for someone, man, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? And then you're stretching out to get your gift operating. See, you think about this. How many of you know a guy in the, in, the, in the Bible who's called Barnabas? You know Barnabas? Okay. How many of you know that's not his real name? See? Jose. That's his real name. Joseph, actually. His real name was Joseph. In Acts chapter 4, it tells us that he ministered in a certain way. He, he, he ministered, I believe he ministered, First of all, it tells us he was a giver. He was a generous giver. Then it tells us he was renamed or nicknamed or given another name, which now become his main name, the one he's known by. So if I say who was Barnabas, oh, that's Paul's mate, the apostle. 
But he started off encouraging people by giving to them in their need, and then he developed a prophetic gift, and the word Barnabas means bar, that's son, neighbors, prophet, prophecy, uh, to prophesy, to encourage, to bless, to build, that kind of thing. So he was called Barnabas, meaning this guy is the offspring of encouragement. He epitomizes encouragement. Wherever he goes, he encourages people. He's a great encourager. And so he became named after his ministry. No wonder Paul said to Timothy, uh, meditate on it. In other words, picture your future and its possibilities and then give yourself to be it. And that's an example of someone who gave himself and then he becomes, so what are you known for? Oh, I complain of it. No, we want to be known that we're positive, encouraging people, that we have a gift, we flow in our gift. Get any idea? Yeah. Okay, then. And so you practice. So you practice so you can grow. If you never practice, you'll never grow. That's why you need a family around you so you can practice. And if you get it wrong, they say, no, oh, it doesn't mean much to me, that one. You know, sorry. You know. <laughs> and it's okay in family to give it a go. Isn't that right? No one. And when you ever seen kids learn to ride a bike, they don't get it right the first time. They fall off. And you say, come on, get back up again. Have another go. So you just have another go. So look at all this. You're all the young people. You can practice on one another. And if it doesn't come out right, that's okay. Just what did you learn? Then give another go. So we need to get out of the fear environment into a safe, safe to give it a go. <laughs> Even the disciples did that. They come to Jesus and they said, Matthew 17, 21, said, why could we cast the demon out? We didn't do too good. And he said, these guys came to us, they wanted help, we did everything. We huffed and we puffed and we steamed and we shouted and we played loud choruses and still nothing happened. How come? So in other words, they used the failure as the learning opportunity. So they went to someone who could help them and he said, oh, it's quite simple. There's a lack of faith. And what you're dealing with was at a different level to what you've dealt with before. This time, you need to pray and fast. So he instructed them what to do. You need prayer and fasting to deal with that level of spirit. He said, how are you going to learn to do things if you don't give it a go? And then get some feedback. Some people get hurt if they get feedback. They get hurt because they've got a lot of ego, a lot of pride, a lot of wounds, a lot of rejection. They need healing and deliverance. So you don't get hurt. Someone gives you feedback. They give you feedback to help you grow. Oh, it's getting quiet now. I think we'll move on. Okay, we'll get, I'll just give you the two last, two, two, a couple of other ones. Uh, the fourth one is activate your gift. You need to activate the gift. In 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul says, stir up the gift. That means it's possible. That word stir up means take a little fire and then to put some stuff on it so it becomes a blazing flame. Yeah. So you, obviously, it doesn't say stand around and pray for God to do it. It says you do it. You stir yourself up. Stir yourself up. How? <laughs> How? Well, here's some ways you can stir yourself up. I think one, listen to some messages that are stirring messages that when you come out of it, you say, oh, I can do something. You know, there's some ministries will lift your spirit. They'll get you, I can do it, I can do it, I'll give it a go. See, that's called faith. They impart faith to you. See, second thing you can do is pray in the spirit. Pray strongly in tongues. Build a strong prayer. Because if you're going to move in the spirit, it comes from your spirit. You've got to stir your spirit. Pray strong in tongues. See, that'd be something you could do. What else could you do? You could spend time worshiping and being intimate with God, listening to him. Because Galatians 3, 5, the gifts of the spirit flow out of hearing God. If you want to move more, then get to hear God more. Start to listen and respond to God more. Those are ways you can stir your gift. You step out. And here's the last one. Take risks. Oh. Just take a risk. Do something. 
Just do a, and you say, well, a risk me. I might pay. Oh, yeah, of course you might. Don't worry about it. Just do it. Here's the uh, next thing. is cultivate an environment of faith. Environment are the conditions around you that help nurture you. So, you know, you want a, a great garden, you have to cultivate it. You leave the garden alone, it gets a lot of weeds in it. But you can cultivate a garden. Cultivate means remove the weeds and put in some healthy things so it's a good environment to grow. And if there's, you know, notice they've got these big hedges here. They're called windbreaks. They're to stop. They're to create a better environment for the fruit trees. So you have to protect as well as cultivate. That was what God told Adam to do in the garden, protect and cultivate. So your environment is made up of a number of things. It's made up of your friends. Your environment is made up with your family. Your family are part of your environment. Your environment also is the church family you're a part of. Your environment is also the media you get exposed to. All of those influence you. So here's the question. Do your people and, and circumstances or what's around you that's influencing you, is it helping you become stronger and grow in your faith to stretch out and believe God? Or is it constantly negative, critical, discouraging, cynical, full of unbelief that's crushing your walk with God? Now, if you've got a lot of people around you that are negative, you say, but they need me. No, 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 no. You need some better friends. The needy people, they're not your friend. They need you. And when you stop meeting their needs, then they'll be gone. If you haven't worked that one out, I'm telling you now, after many years of helping needy people, that's what happened. So there it is. So, so, so people who have need you've got to realize they're one level of connection. You need better connections that inspire faith. So we've got to be connected intentionally where people lift our faith and encourage us to believe God and stretch out and become all we're called to become. And that means cut out the media that's negative. Cut out the influences that are negative. The things that cut you down, get rid of those and build a better environment. Build your, put music on constantly. Put, uh, uh, build the atmosphere. Jesus managed his atmosphere. He managed the environment. Like there's one place... And he actually put everyone out of the room. And he said, that's rude. Put everyone out. No, he said, no, you're full of unbelief. You'll stop the miracle. If you want them to stay dead, stay in the room. Otherwise, leave the room because you're not going to help. And he could have got offended by that, but what's better? You know, putting the people out and getting the miracle of the lady raising from the dead or keeping them in there and she doesn't go anywhere, you know? He knew what to do. Another place, there's a blind man. He led him right out of town. Took him out of the town. town was so full of unbelief, he led him out of town to pray for him. Come on, Jesus managed the environment. He knew what to do to sort the environment out. Sometimes he went alone and had solitude so he could shift himself, himself in his walk with the Father. Amen? And the last one, develop some good character. Your gift will open doors for you, but only character will keep you there. I'll say that again. Your gift will open doors for you, but only your character will keep you there. In other words, if your character is not good, you can't fulfill what God has called you to fulfill. Because you'll go so far and then you'll just fall apart. You'll do something goofy. You'll do something that really is destructive and then whatever you've achieved falls apart because you haven't built the character inside to sustain your gift. Now, you can be highly gifted and the church loves highly gifted people. But I found when I've looked over the years most of the highly gifted people haven't gone so far. They, they shone for a while, but didn't develop the godly character needed to stay the long course. And so they didn't last. For whatever reason, they fell out of where God had placed them. 
So I'm not blaming them. It's just I'm saying the importance of character. From God's perspective, your gifting is to reveal Him. Your gifting is to reveal the kindness and love and nature of God. So you need to develop that nature in your life so your gifting reflects that. When I go overseas, one of the things I like about Asians is they can sniff out an agenda really easily. So if you have a selfish agenda or have a hidden agenda, they pick it up real quick and then they just shut the door to you. And I love that because I've got nothing to hide. I'm only there to love them anyway. So to me, it works out. It works really good because people see, this is what they say, they see, I see, this is what I've been told. I see your gift. I see your anointing. I see what you do. But there are many people who do that and more. But what I also see is you love them. And you want to serve them. And that's why we want you to come back. Because you really love them. And that more than anything makes the gift able to operate properly. You see that? So if God gives you an impartation, it's your responsibility to identify it, put value on it, do what you can to get the training and to cultivate and use every chance to stretch out and practice it, get input to help you grow in it, use it to serve people, and while you're doing it, grow the character that will enable you to be able to grow and sustain what you have. So one way is get over being offended. probably the sim- one of the simplest pieces of practical advice. If people don't say thank you, get over it. Don't worry about it. When you want it to be thanked, well then you're going to get upset. If you're not worried about that and you just want to honour God and love people, then there's no worry what they do. That's their stuff, not yours. Don't let it become yours. Now, then God will make sure that many times someone overlooks you, doesn't thank you, or they acknowledge someone else who didn't even do the job, yeah. and they're evil. And suddenly you're having a, a fizzy fit because they didn't acknowledge me. Well, this is, that was your test. If you could just get over yourself and lay it down and say, God, it's for your honor, for your glory. I want to grow up being like Jesus. Then your gift will flourish. And God will give you many other opportunities. And some of those you'll be acknowledged. If you're not, it doesn't really matter anyway. Get the idea? So we want to receive an impartation. We want to receive and grow. Kathy, just stand up quickly. I want to just show you something. Just put your hand in my hand right now. Now, I operate very strongly in a prophetic mantle, prophetic gifting. So this is what I want to do. I want to pray now and impart and release prophetic anointing around Catholic life. What, so that's my part, is just to see what God's wanting to do and do it. Kathy's part is to receive it and then to start to experiment and explore and develop prophesying with people. So what I'm believing for is that God is going to use you to prophesy, to see destiny. I believe you've got a passion for young people. You've got a real heart and longing to see young people come forward. Uh, and, and it comes out of the pain of things you've gone through. And you think, I don't want them to go through all that. I want to help them to grow and come forward. I, I see the gift. I want to have eyes to see their gift and be able to call them into being. And what God is saying to you is this. You're going to see what young people care about. You're going to see their gift and you're going to love them and speak it to them and encourage them. So I see this in you. You'd be great at this. And you know, there's a whole generation of young people to speak into their heart and tell them, hey, I believe in you. I believe you because of this. And I'm going to pray for you. If God's wanting to develop a prophetic gift, it's a sharpness and an accuracy and a detail. So as you prophesy, people 
Thank you, everyone. We look forward to seeing you over the next couple of days for a great time.